Let's make a deal. Redeeming the Time Brothers podcast, a podcast by Gene Kissinger and Norman Kissinger, two brothers who have spent their lives in ministry and raising large families. Our desire is to provide a digital place for those who long to belong. We are creating different kinds of discipleship tools, spreading them across multiple platforms that we that we can develop a rapture-ready body of believers so that when Jesus Christ comes back to catch his own away, he will have no trouble recognizing his sons and daughters. We want to leave a nightlight on for you. That nightlight is out of Luke chapter 13. If you're reading through the Gospel of Luke during the month of December, you will be on chapter 13, and by the 24th you'll have finished out the life of Christ, and on Christmas morning you will understand the gift that was given you when Jesus Christ stepped out of eternity, took on the form of a man, lived a sinless and perfect life, and then died on the cross for your sins, rose again the third day, ascended up into heaven, ever liveth to make intercession for his saints, and one day will come again to receive his own unto himself, taking them to a place that he has been preparing since he left. What good news is that? Hey, let's look at tonight's nightlight, Luke 13, starting in verse 22. And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. Then said one of them, uh, one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto him, Strive to enter at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in, and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and has shut the door, and you begin to stand without and knock on the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto them, I know you not when she are. Then shall you begin to say, We have eaten and drunken in thy presence, and thou hast taught us in the streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not when she are. Depart from me, all ye that work iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and the south, and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And behold, they which are last which shall be first, and they are first which shall be last. I don't know if you remember an old show, it was called uh, Let's Make a Deal. It was on back in the 80s. Uh, Monty Hall was the host of it, and he, he'd always present these uh, contestants with a choice. It'd be door number one, door number two, door number three, and he, he seemed to sort of subtly manipulate them into choosing one of those doors. He'd make one more attractive than the other. He'd try to add a little bit of cash for them to choose one thing or another and, and create kind of a confusion in their mind, and ultimately one of the doors would have some magnificent thing, and the other doors would have some loser thing that they didn't really care about, some almost gag deal. Uh, it was about making choices and the difficulty of making choices and then living with the consequences of those choices. Uh, the kingdom of God is all about making choices. And Satan likes to appear to try to befuddle your mind so that he wants to make you make the wrong choice. Jesus here is talking about how the, the road to heaven is not very crowded. The road to hell is really crowded. If you want to see a parallel to this, Matthew chapter 7 has a parallel passage to this teaching. And it talks about a broad way that leads to destruction and a narrow way that leads to life everlasting. 
If you don't like traffic, the road to heaven is going to be your road. God wants us to be on it. But how do we get on that road? How do we make that right choice to stay off of the Broadway that leads to destruction that almost everybody else is going down? And how do we get on that narrow road that leads to heaven? Well, here this chapter is all about repenting. Uh, in, in the very first part of the chapter, there's a parable about a fig tree and, and a, a one that's taking care of it. And, and he's talking about repenting. And here uh, in this passage that we're in, the, the direct passage, he's really dealing with the concept of repenting and believing. That was the basic message of John the Baptist and Jesus. Repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. Uh, the, the key that opens the gate or the door that leads to life everlasting is repentance. Now, uh, repenting and believing, they both work hand in hand. They're thinking of the two sides of the same coin. Uh, repenting, what does that mean? We, we hear it and maybe we even think about it sometimes. I'm not certain that we totally understand what it means. Uh, one of the words, the Greek words for repentance, it means to change your mind about something to go a different direction, to turn where you're headed one way and you do a U-turn and you're heading the other way. And, and so there's a, a, a mental component to it where you're thinking differently about your sin and about yourself and, and you're, you're taking a, an action in your life where you're actively beginning to behave in a different fashion as a result of this new belief of repentance that's in your mind. See, because attitude determines action, belief determines behavior, character determines conduct. God always works from the inside out, and, and He wants to bring about this concept of repentance, a changing of your mind. But it even goes beyond that. Repentance involves something called confession. At 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word confess is homo logos, to say the same thing about your sin that God says about it. The, the tragedy of the modern era is that we rename everything to dress it up and make it sound pretty. And then somehow we continue living in that pretty degradation and, and that, 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 that beautiful, horrible thing that's going to take us to hell. We need to call it what it is. It is sin. It is a sin against God. It's not just a sin generally or kind of I was sort of a naughty boy and I'm on God's, uh, you know, Santa's naughty list. Instead, it's a sin. It needs to be called a sin, repented of as a sin, where, where it breaks your heart that you broke God's heart. See, when I violate when I violate a law here in America and I maybe go a couple of miles out over the speed limit, I'm violating a law that exists on the books back in Washington, D.C., but I, I'm not necessarily causing a Supreme Court justice to weep over those actions of going a little bit too fast. When I break God's law, though, I hurt God's heart because God's law was given as a gift from Him to us so that you and I could begin to see ourselves as we really are and understand God as He really is. He's a holy God, and if I would be in right relationship with Him, I've got to move into that area of holiness through the work of Christ on the cross. So confession is saying the same thing about my sin that God says about my sin. And then there's a, an honest humility, a humbling of ourselves. If we'll humble ourselves before God and say, God, yes, I am a sinner. And yes, I have sinned against you. And yes, that sin is wicked. But God, I don't know what to do about it. I can't do anything about it. But Jesus Christ did. The Bible says God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, talking about Jesus, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God, God poured all my sin, all of his wrath, over my sin on Jesus Christ. He, he paid a death penalty for me. 
he took a bullet for me, so to speak. He, 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 he paid the price for my sin. I don't know if that, that should blow you away. If you understand your sin, it'll blow you away. God is a good God. What do you need to do if you're going to get in the straight gate? You're going to make a wise choice. Repent. Confess your sin. Invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord, boss of your life, and Savior. Allow him to have the... When the, there's a country song, but Jesus take the wheel. Really, let Jesus take the control of your life. He's the only one who knows how to live it. There's another verse in the Bible that says, um, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 that's a powerful concept. If I if I experience the forgiveness that flows from the throne of God, He's going to cause me to be born again, bring me into His forever family, and begin to change me from the inside out where I live a radically different life. If you just go to God and pray, He'll meet you there. He'll cleanse you. He'll forgive you. And then get into a good church where you can grow. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, I thank you for this day. Thank you for these dear believers. Pray that you would bless them. Help us, God, to make an ever-wise choice about the door of eternity. God, we don't want to go on the broad way that leads to destruction. We want to be on the straight and narrow way that leads to life everlasting. Lord, just be with these. If there are any that are here, this is a new concept to them. I pray that they would get a hold of me and I could help them to know how to find you as Lord and Savior of their life. Thank you for all that you've done. Watch out over us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. You have a good night. I love you, but Jesus loves you even more.